I always remember um, my first opportunity when we started our church. Several people had become Christians, and, and we started in uh, our first church service was in May of 1989. Several weeks later, we had a Saturday night service and several other visitors, and I, I can still remember as I look at the clock, sometime during the sermon, I noticed Marcia in the back of the room pointing at her wrist. Didn't know if there had been an injury or something, but she kept pointing at the wrist, and her face was not filled with a lot of joy. And she continued to do that, which confused me, which caused me to repeat what I was saying. And fortunately, an hour and a half after I started, I was able to wrap up the sermon. And uh, we talk about that a lot, so I'd like to wrap up um, this message time on time, if, if I could. And um, I'm also looking forward to hearing from, from Josh and Janae. Uh, we are very, very looking forward to them coming out. Um, I will be um, continuing the English conversation classes until Josh gets out there, so um, I'm especially looking forward to him getting out there quickly. And uh, Marsh is just treading water right now. Uh, so many blessings, but, but so much work is put in every day, and we're, we're, we're short-staffed, and we're, we're greatly looking forward to Janae uh, joining the, uh, the ministry there also. So um, certainly uh, pray for them and help them to get out here to Japan. Uh, this morning... Besides giving a, a, a greeting from, from Marsha and, and the rest of my family, I'm just thankful to, to be back here. This is the first time I've been back since my mom passed away, and we had her funeral uh, about a year and a half ago. And I have hadn't had a chance to, to spend some time with my dad, so that, that's been good. Ask you to pray for, for his health. It's been good to spend time with, with Ted and which also reminds me that um, if a word is mispronounced or it's a little staccato in my delivery, at this point in my life, I'm much more um, like this. Um, I'm much more uh, relaxed to, to share in Japanese than English. Fortunately, um, there's a good chance if I mispronounce a word, my brother will help me with that later on, and I won't make that mistake again. So... Um, at least I hope so. Um, also, it was, uh, actually I just met uh, your interim pastor here a few minutes ago. Um, I couldn't help but ask different people how things were going and if they enjoyed the, uh, the new pastor, and evidently he's doing too good a job. Without exception, everyone says, I sure wish he was going to be here permanently. So um, things must be going well. This morning, I'd like to talk a little bit about Japan. Japan has a population, depending upon the, the, the reports you're using, of 127 or 128 million people. People that believe in Jesus Christ and believe that he came to this earth as God, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, was buried and three days later was bodily resurrected, and several weeks later, 40 days later, ascended up into heaven and reigns from heaven today, and that the only way we can have a relationship with God 
is through a belief and acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Savior. Um, of the Japanese population, 0.4% of the population believe that. There is a, a famine of the gospel in Japan. Japan is a wonderful place to live, wonderful people. But Japan is the, has the fewest number of Christians percentage-wise of all the people groups in the world, in Asia. There's a famine of the gospel in Japan. But I, I'd just like to mention before um, continuing on, wouldn't it be awful if in sharing about such a, a, a needy country and a needy people, that there was someone here or someone listening today that really didn't know if they had a relationship with God. And you're like me for, for many years before you go to sleep. You wonder, did I do it right? Have I believed right? What happens if I die and I don't go to heaven? What happens if I go to hell? My performance hasn't been very well lately, very good lately. If there's anyone here that wants peace of heart in knowing that Jesus Christ walks with you and that no matter what happens, you're walking with Jesus for eternity, please turn your hearts to Jesus. It's not anything you do. It's not anything you've accomplished. It's not where you live. It's not male or female. It's all about Jesus Christ and his perfect salvation that he provided for us by dying on the cross for all of our weaknesses, all of our sins, and that includes the sin that besets you, the sins that beset me. Jesus Christ died on the cross and had victory over sin and death and he reigns victoriously in heaven today and whether you're Japanese or whether you're American or, or wherever you live if you accept the perfect gift of salvation that Jesus Christ brought to us by dying on the cross and resurrecting from the grave Jesus will come into your heart and he will instantly grant you eternal life and you'll have peace of heart. Four lepers in Japan. Have to be careful my pronunciation. Someone said it probably thinks it sounds like rappers. Four rappers in Japan, but, but that's not what we're talking about. It's four lepers. And it's in 2 Kings chapter 6, 7. Uh, the neat thing about this sermon is that there'll be no one that listens to this that thinks that I've covered everything that should be covered in these verses. Recently, someone very close to me said, you sure left a lot of meat on that bone. You heard me speak about this. And that's kind of the point. Um, I'd like to share uh, portions of this scripture, encourage you to consider, uh, to, to further uh, look into this scripture, and I want to uh, bring to mind several things that we're experiencing in Japan um, as we talk about this. 
So it's going to be a, just a very short reference to, to, to a couple areas. I'd like you to turn to 2 Kings um, chapter 6, verse 24. And actually, um, in looking at um, the, the rest of the service here, I'm going to summarize a couple of things, but I do want to read the first few verses. Verse 24. Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver. And I just want to say, this is really outstanding. I know we can get a donkey's head for much cheaper in Shimonoseki. And a quarter of a, uh, my translation says, a, a cab with seed pods or dove's dung for five shekels. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, Help me, my lord, the king. The king replied, If the lord does not help you, where can I get help for you? From the threshing floor, from the wine press? Then he asked her, What's the matter? She answered, This woman said to me, Give up your son so we may eat him today, and tomorrow we'll eat my son. So we cooked my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, Give up your son so we may eat him. But she had hidden him. When the king heard the woman's words, he tore his robes. As he went along the wall, the people looked, and they saw that under his robes he had sackcloth on his body. He said, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if the head of Elisha, son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. That's the situation in the city of Samaria. Of course, Israel is, is divided. Ten tribes, the, the northern tribes, are now basing themselves in, in the city of Samaria and in the, out, the, the areas around. Judah and the tribe of Benjamin are, have remained as Jerusalem as their capital, and it's called Judah. And the king's name is not mentioned here, it's King Joram, who had a famous daddy whose name was King Ahab. Just an evil, evil king of the northern tribes of Israel. And his son is not doing much better. And if you, if you look at the scripture here, previous to this, um, Elisha to, has had his servant's eyes opened to see that, that Syria, when they surrounded him, the king of Benedict had surrounded him, and he thought he was going to die, and, and he... The servant was all uh, worried and confused, and, and, and Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes, and he saw all the hosts of the armies of the Lord that was protecting them. And then Elisha took that army, said, he said, I know where you want to go, follow me, and he took him to where the king was. And then God struck them with blindness, and King Joram said, do you want me to, to kill them? Should I kill them right here? And Elisha said, no, that's not what you'd want them to do to you, and, and you don't need to do that to them. Feed them. And they sent them away. Now, that Syria, that army, has surrounded, come back, surrounded Samaria, and no one can get in and no one can get out. And they're starving to death. So much so that a mother has made a deal with another mother 
and has killed her son. They've ate him, and now she's complaining to the king because the other mother hasn't come through. That's how bad it is. In a spiritual realm, imagine with me that for every 1,000 people you meet, maybe one is a Christian. Imagine that you're not going to have lots of Christian radio and Christian TV and Christian books and meeting after meeting and, and support after support. And you've been raised to believe, first of all, that you're not special and that there's spirits and, 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 and gods all over the place, in mountains and in the ocean. But there's nothing like we would conceive of a supreme God that controls everything, that loves us, is holy, and that we're actually created in his image. You know, if someone like that could, could actually hear that there was one God, he was almighty, and he had a special plan for each and every person that was born... And he wanted a relationship with them and he gifted them with special talents and a special personality and that they could actually have a relationship with God. And even if they died, they would go on to eternity in heaven. If they could hear that they were special and that that God wanted a relationship with them, wouldn't that be wonderful? But most have never heard of the over 800 Buddhists that we've been able to, to, to lead to relationship with Jesus Christ, the vast majority of them have been the first Christians in their entire family line since Jesus Christ walked the earth over 2,000 years ago. That's a famine. I'm thankful that Many of you have prayed for us. Many of you have given. We have personal supporters as a church. Many of you have helped us with projects. I mentioned the project earlier in, in, in Sunday school about our need for a new bus for the New Beginning International Preschool. And some of you or many of you or, or someone can certainly, if God so led, make a huge difference in that ministry. But isn't it something that God uses you and me he uses us in different ways, but he uses imperfect people to take his perfect message of salvation to those that have not heard and have not become Christians. I, I notice that, that, that that's the background, but, but then you get to the interesting part, and please take time to read this um, later on. There's four lepers that show up. And these four lepers, obviously they're, they're ostracized. They're not allowed to be near people. And normally they're eating garbage that's thrown over the wall from the city of Samaria. But what's happened? There's no garbage being thrown over because that, that's expensive material. That's something that can be sold. They're so desperate for food that there's no garbage. So those four lepers outside the city walls are starving to death. And they decide, as you read on in, in chapter 7, we, got, we don't have very good options, but we got some options here. One is we can continue on as we are continuing on and die. 
The other option is we can somehow get inside the city. There's no food there, so we die. A third option is that we can go to the enemy camp of Syria, and we're probably going to die. But maybe they might have mercy on us. So, difficult decision. They decide, why don't we take the dying option where we might have a chance of some mercy? And then the story uh, develops from there. As you're reading that, I would, I would take your attention, want your attention to, to chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, as they make this decision, and notice that they made the decision. That's an important thing. There was a leading, and they made the decision. Sometimes God just through common sense will lead us to make a decision. Sometimes he, he uses a special agent for us to make a decision. But there's no doubt as we read this scripture that God is leading them to, to make a decision here. And they're in an awful situation. Who wants to be a leper? Who wants to be a starving leper? Who wants to be a starving leper that's now going to the atrocious Syrian camp to probably be slaughtered? But that's their best option. But they have to make a decision. So it says at dusk, that day they moved. There was action to the leading. And I don't know about you, but, but many times in my life, and I'm sure everyone's the same, there's a leading of God uh, to pursue something, to stay away from something, to stop some sin, to pursue some act of righteousness, to pursue some leading. And if you don't act on it immediately, it becomes a memory, but not an act of obedience. There's decisions that we need to make in our lives. You personally, whatever your situation is, certainly God is speaking to you about different things in your personal life. Maybe he'll speak to you through something I say here to, to involve yourself in a ministry or in our ministry to help. Or as Joss and Janae share later, God will touch your heart. Please don't just say, well, that would be... Make a decision and move on it. The four lepers make a decision. And, and the, another thing that kind of stands out here is that when they make the decision... God does something great. Mrs. Suazaki, this, this is really interesting. Almost everyone that we share the scripture with and lead to the Lord in Japan, no one's been a Christian in their family. Mrs. Suazaki was different. Several months ago, we received a telephone call in our English office, English manager's office, that a lady wanted her grandson to study English conversation. And she also wanted to study English, and we told her that there was a Bible study afterwards, and she said, that'd be fine. And then uh, Mrs. Kitani, the, the office manager, said, you know, if you want to study the Bible, our pastor would study with you also. And she said, okay, well, I'll meet him once. So I met Mrs. Tsuazaki, and she had a fabulous story. I could spend all afternoon talking about it. Her grandfather and grandmother were in church planning in Osaka, Japan, before World War II, they went through persecution and they continued pastoring after World War II. And there's even a picture of her going to, to Sunday school as a young, young girl with her grandma and grandpa there. 
She never pursued Christ. She never pursued Christianity. She's in her mid to late 60s. And I got a chance to share the gospel with her. I went through, we call it 13 Steps. It's a Bible study that we put together to introduce Japanese to Christ. And halfway through that Bible study, maybe the second or third time, this lady that had the spiritual heritage of Christians but had denied Christ for 60-some years, got down on her knees and prayed to accept Jesus Christ as her Savior. And it was hard for her to make that decision because for 60 years she had put it off. But when she made the decision, in a matter of weeks and months, she is totally changed. She has a fervent desire to study Scripture. She's testifying to her family. She's wanting to be involved in church ministries. And there's just a special glow about her. But you know what? No matter what she studied, no matter what her heritage was, if she hadn't decided to follow Christ, she would still be in the same position. One other point. Look what happens when the four lepers make the decision. This, this is awesome. This is absolutely awesome. As you continue reading down, uh, let's see, get over to chapter 7. Verse 5. At dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. Verse 6, for the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. So what happens? These four lepers come into a camp and there's all this wonderful food waiting Treasures, they go into tent number one and they eat a lot and they take the treasures and they bury it. They go into tent number two, they eat some more, they get some treasures and they bury it. And then there's a realization this isn't right. These are starving lepers. What isn't right? This good news of food and provision, life. We need to take to the people, to the king. So those four lepers, now it doesn't say that they, what they did with the buried treasures, that's not part of this sermon, but they go back to the, the city and basically because of their report, first they thought it was a trap, but it wasn't a trap. The city and the people living in that city are saved from the famine and they're given life. Because the four lepers, first of all, made a decision. And secondly, God made them bigger than they were. These are four lepers, and they're starving. They're stumbling towards the camp. Guess what the other side is hearing? An Egyptian army, chariots and horses, God is making those four lepers much bigger than they thought that they were. And because, it, because of it, there's victory given in that they escape, the four lepers receive all that food, and the whole city receives that food and is saved. I think that that particular episode 
is exactly what we've experienced in Shimonoseki, Japan. Just, just like a leper. What, what do we bring to what do we bring to them language-wise or, or understanding-wise that, that a Japanese wouldn't have many times over? What can a, a, a young couple and then a few, a few converts and then a few more converts do in a, in a city of 300,000 in a country of 124 million? But God makes us bigger than we are. And we've seen time and time again the Lord speaks to people through his word. The Lord speaks to people through his circumstances. And even if we don't know it, God is showing them things that, that we don't even know. God will make you and will make me bigger than we are for his glory as we follow him. Even if you're stumbling toward the camp, he's big enough to use you. I would close with the, just a quick reference to Mr. Hayashi. Just when the COVID problem started and reached over to Japan, not to mention my, I just came back from my mom's funeral and I was sick for two weeks. Evidently it wasn't COVID, but it was sick for two weeks, really sick. And Mr. Hayashi's dad died. His mom was a member of our church. His dad was an alcoholic. He was abusive. He was caustic. He was a miserable human being. But he was made in the image of God. We tried to witness to him for years. He would turn us down. The last week before I came to America for my mom's, uh, to see my mom and her funeral, tried to visit him. He said, no, I don't want to meet you. He died. So I went to the funeral. And since I was sick, I just there to speak and, and head home. And Mr. Hayashi got up and said, you know, my dad was an awful person. And he said, I had an awful relationship. See, I often wondered what it would be like to have my dad ask me how school was or, or how are you doing. But he said, I am thankful. I did receive life through him, and I hope he rests in peace. Of course, that's not the option there. But I didn't get to meet him, so because I was sick, I got to meet him several weeks later because my wife had mentioned, hey, Tony would like to meet you sometime. Why don't you meet with him? So we met, and Mr. Hayashi, that was raised in that no-hope environment, who also himself was becoming an alcoholic, began to study the Scripture, verse at a time. A half a year later in a coffee shop, Mr. Hayashi, it didn't matter if there was waitresses or people there, he prayed boldly to receive Christ as his Savior. Totally changed man. Meet with him every week. Can't meet to meet with him again. And he's sharing his blessing. Because notice, the Japanese word is ketchi. Another point there, they didn't just keep the blessing to themselves. Don't keep God's blessing to yourself. You can't out-give God. Maybe I need to do it like our current president. You can't out-give God. He wants to bless through you. The blessings you, are, you receive are for others, not just for you, for others, so you can be part of the blessing. Mr. Hayashi is sharing that blessing with those around him and sharing the gospel. 
there's many stories to share, but I would just encourage you as it, as it encourages me that God loves to walk with you. God wants to use you. And it doesn't matter if you're a stumbling leper that's dying and starving. Make that decision to, to follow God and he will do something tremendous through you for his glory. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.